Shabbat Shalom, there you are, and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Blessings unto you all today. All of you that connected this morning on Shabbat Fellowship, greet one another. And those of you that are in the chat, greet one another and have edifying chit-chat conversation today. Now remember, in the chat, there is the connection where you can enroll, enroll I should say, sign up or even register for the Passover that is coming swiftly upon us. You can also go to the underneath in the comments section and you'll find in the description, I should say, the registration for the Passover. Wonderful place, acreage on the river here in Oregon. We're going to be gathering and hope that you will come and join us too, all of you scattered all over the world. So blessings, blessings. And we pray that you would be blessed as we go through the word today. And we are in Torah portion Kitisa, Kitisa, and that begins in Exodus chapter 30 and verse 11. I hope that you were able to study and read through and study that this week so that I can bring some more sense, hopefully, to the offering today. And it begins in the 30th chapter and the 11th verse with the ransom money. And then we go through into what I'll be touching on to today, of course, the Sabbath law in Exodus chapter 31 and verse 12, the infamous golden calf, much to say there about syncretism in Shemot Exodus chapter 32. And then as the text progresses further on, we see Moshe intercedes a mediator for the children of Israel. We see the description of who Yahuwah is as an Elohim. Yes, he is the Elohim of love, but that is only one of his attributes. Of course, we'll look at the 13 attributes of Yahuwah, and we'll get into the promise, which I believe is Yahusha, of what would come, the promise of Yahuwah's presence. And to really be in the presence of Yahuwah, nobody comes to the Father without the Son. So I believe, as the Scripture teaches, with the full revelation, from Genesis to Revelation, that by being in the presence of the Son, we have the promise and the presence of the Father. And then in Exodus chapter 34, Shemot 34, we get the new set of tablets, and the covenant is renewed. But it's very important to notice, there is no proposal there is no acceptance, there is no blood ratification, and there is no covenant-confirming meal. So this is not Malkitzedic, this is a different covenant, but it is not Malkitzedic in its conception. And finally, we see the horned face of Moses, the horned face of Moshe. If you'd been to the Louvre in Paris, of course, you'll see the, um, the statue with Moshe, and he is horned because the Latin Vulgate says that instead of him coming down the mountain and his face was shining, he actually had horns. There's a whole teaching I've done on that, which takes us into Yom Kippur and the, the horned goat that would uh, go off into the wilderness. But that's another thing, and um, much to teach, much to teach today. So without any further ado, 
Let us jump into Shemot, Exodus chapter 30 and verse 11. Then Yahweh spoke to Moshe saying, when you take, when you take a census, and this is where we get the Hebrew ki tisar, when you take a census of the children of Israel for their multitude, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to Yahuwah, when you number them, that there be me no plague among them, when you number them. That is what everyone among those who numbered shall give the half shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary, a shekel being 20 gerhaz. The half shekel shall be an offering to Yahuwah, everyone included among those who are numbered, from 20 years old and above shall give an offering to Yahuwah. The rich shall not give more than the poor shall give, and they shall not give less than half a shekel, which you give an offering to Yahuwah to make a keporah, an atonement for yourselves. And you shall take the atonement money for the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before Yahuwah to make atonement for yourselves. So this, of course, is how the Torah portion opens up, the ransom money. Now, why would they take a census? Because they're about to go to war. Usually, the party that would be taking the census is because we need a counting of how strong the army is, we're about to go to war, or to levy taxes. So right here you can see that we have the census because they are going to be about to go to war and life for life. There needs to be a ransom money because of blood. The blood, the life, of course, is in the blood. So this is one of three places in Torah where there is a ransom for accidental death. And we know from this description that we are all equal before Yahuwah. And of course, in the Brit Hadashah, it says there is neither male or female, slave or free. We are all one in Mashiach. The rich shall not give more than the poor. It is all, this is not democracy. This is true equity and equality. So this, you can see, is how it is so much different than the way the world is today. But what is very interesting to me, in light of the ransom and the census and the days in which we live today, a friend of mine said to me, you know what, numbers lie and liars number. And we live in a world today where people are more interested in statisticians, or what they call the science, right, than faith. Because at the end of the day, are you going to put your faith in men and their numbers, or are you going to walk according to faith and the belief that Yahweh has got you covered? Because I remember a story in the scripture 
in 2 Samuel chapter 24 verse 1, where David was feeling pretty good about his numbers. He was feeling goody, pretty good about the statistics because he had just got through seeing the mighty men. Are you good? The mighty men of David. He had just counted, if you will, the might, his mighty men who had gone in there and done a work on the Philistines. He was feeling pretty, pretty encouraged by his numbers, by the science, by the statistics. Everything he was thinking was void of faith. So he said, you know what? Let's do a census. Let's count the children of Israel. Numbers lie and liars number. And if you go down that path, you will find that you will come into a virus, a plague, because David is actually not walking in the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How can you ever ever number the promises of Yahuwah. He said that the promises would be without number. They would be more than the sand on the sh seashore and in the star than the stars in the Shamaim. That's the promises that we have. Our promises aren't science. Our promises aren't numbers. Our promises is having a faith and a hope. My friends, today this godless heathen world has chosen the census. They have chosen the way of godless people who have no faith, so they put their faith in numbers. And the numbers lie, and the liars number. I don't care whether you're left of the aisle or right of the aisle. It's all lies. It's manipulated data. It's a propaganda, and if you go with that route, you will have one of three choices. And you can see that if you turn to 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 1. Because, brethren, choice number one, window number one, if you want to go with the science, is there's going to be another seven years of this nonsense. They're going to be manipulating the numbers, and the numbers lie, and the liars will continue to mess with the numbers. And it will be a seven-year virus, a seven-year famine of your life. Because there is a famine, and it's going to be seven years. That's choice number one that Yahweh gave David. You want a seven-year famine? You want a seven-year famine? There's going to be problems with your supply chain for seven years. Because you have put your faith in men. That's option number one. You're going to see it. You're seeing it right now. Seven years of famine. Option number two, there's going to be war. There's going to be war. Because the numbers are lie, lie and the liars number and they need to keep the whole game going so they're going to create a war. And that war is going to last for three months. Do you want that window? That's window number two, David. Because you are a bunch of faithless people. Number three, window number three, you can repent and you can fall into the hands of Yahuwah. 
And if you fall into the hands of Yahweh, there will be consequences. You'll get a three-day sickness. A three-day plague. But you'll come out of it, but it's going it's to kick your backside. It's called consequences. Which door do you want? Number one, because you have trusted in men and their numbering system. You have shown me that you put your faith in men more than a living Elohim. Because a living Elohim says, I will take care of your health. I will take care of your future. I will take care of your generations. But no, you want to listen to the words of men. So you're going to get a seven-year famine. Your supply chain for seven years. It, you are going to go and have an economic downturn that is going to last for seven years. That is the word of Yahuwah. And I hope that you can hear what I'm communicating to you now because this is a consequence of a faithless, faithless society that's given up on true emunah. But there is a hope for the children of Israel. Door number two, door number two, you are going to find yourselves fleeing from your enemies and they're going to create a war because wars are always what they create to keep the financial system going. To manipulate their numbers on Wall Street, there's going to be a war. There's going to be a war on a virus. We've had a war on a virus. And now they're talking about, well, let's go back to Ukraine. Well, talk to the British about that. It didn't work out too well for us in the end of the 19th century, okay? That's a war that I've studied and I thoroughly enjoyed, the Crimean War. Oh, come on. Really? That's option number, option number three is you repent. And you will go to your bedroom and you will sweat it out, but you're going to get sick. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 5, you do realize, oh, I'm so afraid. Everybody's afraid. And what does fear bring, brethren? Proverbs 29, verse 5, fear brings a snare. And because for the past two and a half years, everybody has been believing the propaganda of fear, they have now become snared by it because fear brings a snare. It's a trap. And you walk into it because that's what the fear of Yahuwah, however, red pills you. Because you come out of all of those that come out of the matrix, the womb, are mine, says Yahuwah. Come out of the matrix and you're Israel. And you'll start to be aware of all of the, and you will be fearless because true fear. If you're really afraid, you can only fear one thing at a time. And take it from me, a man who has spent his 20s mountain climbing. And I tell you what, I've been in some very frightening situations on some very high alpine peaks where I have been afraid. And I guarantee you, when you are really afraid, there is only one thing you're fearing. You're not thinking about any other things. That, it's just that situation. Meaning, the fear of Yahuwah is the beginning of wisdom 
that you will have no fear in life. You will be fearless of men. You will be fearless of men if you truly fear Yahuwah. Why should you be afraid, afraid of what man can do to you? Everything's an offer. Man really can't do anything. It's all consent, coercion, force, and fear. And you have just fallen for it because what? Fear brings a snare, but trust in Yahuwah brings safety. That is why David was punished for the census. That was his sin. That was his sin. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1 tells us, The wicked flee when no one pursues. It's an invisible plague. It's pursue the wicked flee when no one pursues. Everyone's terrified of something they cannot see because they will believe the statisticians. If it's truly science, then science can be questioned, correct? Then why is it that you can't question anything? Because it's not science. Science, as defined, is something that is replicated and can be replicated again and again and again in a controlled laboratory environment. It has a baseline and it has, a, it has the same result. Get that science. I'm, I'm all up for that. Okay, get me a Bunsen burner and let's get a test tube. And, you know, I'm up, I did that at school, okay? The science of how to dissect a frog. Okay, I'm up for that. All right, that's biology, but it's still a science. And you can question it. If you can't question it, brethren, it's not blooming science. It's called propaganda. Numbers lie and liars number. You're following a census because they're getting ready for war. They're getting ready for a plague. They're getting ready for a famine. Those of you that have ears to hear, I pray you hear what the Ruach is saying. Wicked men flee, Proverbs 28, verse 1, when no one pursues. It's an invisible enemy. And invisible enemies are the best propaganda because you can keep that stuff hyped up all the time and we will just keep pumping you with different numbers and you will become so confused that you will no longer trust yourself. I don't trust myself, but I do trust Yahuwah and I am afraid of Yahuwah and I am fearless of what man can do to me. Bring it on. I've experienced fear in my life. And these temporary fluctuations of intimidation. We have to get the backbone of what this is truly, truly about. Because otherwise, we'll be rising up to play in chapter 32 with the rest of them. And that's exactly the whole premise. The wicked flee when there's an invisible enemy. But the righteous, they stand. They are as bold as a lion. 
You know, no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, okay, here, bring another one to intimidate you. No. Well, you have to do this. Actually, I don't. Well, no, you really do. No, actually, I don't. Well, no, no, you do. Well, I'm just going to stand here. Um, so, what do you want to do? It's really your choice, because I do not consent. It's being bold as a lion. It's called standing. Standing, and then when you can still stand, you stand. Because really, now, turn with me to Exodus chapter 31 and verse 12. We'll find why you stand. Why do I stand? Because we've become awakened. Exodus chapter 32, Exodus chapter 31 and verse 12. You want to be free? Let's talk about freedom. Oh, it's all about the freedom convoy. Oh, let's be free. If you were really free, you'd be keeping the Sabbath. Because Sabbath is a sign of freedom. And if people were keeping the Sabbath, they would be truly free. And most of the people that have taken the you-know-what, they're not Sabbath observant because they're not free. Because that's the sign. It's a sign of freedom. As for me, once I started to question the Sabbath... I became free from men's doctrines and syncretism. I began to question myself. I started to question the chapters and the verses of Scripture, the numbers. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. There is no chapters and verses in the Torah. <laughs> right? Because it's Hebrew. Well, let's get back to the Hebrew. Well, hang on. The Sabbath is an everlasting ordinance throughout your generation. And it is a sign of freedom. Free people get to do the Sabbath. Slaves don't have that option. And that's why they were given the sign and they came out of Egypt and they were able and free to keep the Sabbath. So keep the Sabbath. It's a sign of your freedom. If you truly want to be free, keep the Sabbath. It's amazing. It's about true liberty. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep. For it is a sign between you and me throughout your generations that you may know that I am Yahweh who sets you apart from the godless heathens. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Shabbat of rest. It is Kadosh, it is holy unto Yahuwah. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations, a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days, Yahuwah made the heavens and the earth, and the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And that's why Paul speaks to the Galatians. They are not a bunch of heathen. They are not a bunch of Christians. They're not a bunch of goyim. They're not a bunch of Gentiles. In Galatians chapter 5, they are the Israel of Elohim. Because this is a book for Israel. 
It's a book for you and I. And if you are a foreigner, then you graft in to Israel and you become one of the body and you produce the same fruit. And we're all producing the same fruit. And that is freedom. It's freedom. But to be free, you have to stand. And you cannot follow the statisticians because they're liars. And it infects the brain. And you don't want to be like David and have the consequence of three that are coming upon thee right now. Right now. I literally went to a drive-thru yesterday to get a cup of coffee. And she's like, you, I mean, three weeks ago in Oregon, if you try to hand them your cup, right, from home, your home, oh, yeah, we can't take that. Oh, no, because that's you've been in, been in your personal house. It could have diseases on it. So, no, we can't take uh, any cups. You know, you used to be able to take your own cup into the coffee shop. Oh, no, we, we can't do that. This, is, this could have a virus on it. Oh, but now, um, could you bring your own cup? Well, what happened? The blooming supply chain. I went into the dry cleaners. Um, can you leave the wire hanger here? No. Well, we need more wire hangers. Well, I need the shirt that you just ironed. I want to keep it crisp. So no. You, no, you can't have my wire. Well, that's not very nice of you. Well, I just paid you to wire my shirt, and I'm going to hang it in my car. So I'm going to need that wire hanger. Well, can you bring it back? No. <laughs> no, I'm going to hang it in my closet. Well, that's not very nice, is it? I mean, it's happening, brethren. Coat hangers, coffee cups. I'm, I've gone off track again. It's a sign, verse 17, chapter 31, verse 17, between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days Yahuwah made the heavens and the earth, and the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking with him... On Mount Sinai, he gave Moshe two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of Yahuwah. That's it. We need to keep the Sabbath because it's a sign of freedom and a sign of true liberty. And everybody's talking about freedom and liberty, but this is the place to start. Because when you start to do this, you'll see who your enemies are. And you'll see who your brethren are. It's that simple. It is a divider. It's a divider of faith and those that are faithless. And of course, now we get into the infamous golden calf. Now when Moshe saw, now when the people saw that Moshe delayed from coming down the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come and make us gods that we shall go before us. For as for this Moshe, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Well, there's their first mistake. Was it Moshe who brought them up out of the land of Egypt? So again, they're looking to men. You see, the problems in society today, as back in the, the days of the children of Israel, is people need image. They need an image. And they need to touch. They need to see. That's not faith. It was never a man that delivered them from Egypt. But because they were looking to the man, 
because they were looking to the numbers, because they, David was looking to his mighty men, it always ends up in idolatry. And don't think that these people that go into the metaverse are not going to be into idolatry. It is idolatry. Self-idolatry and idolatry. But people of faith, we do not look to form and substance. We have it within us. And that's called being a visionary. And it's called being fearless. That's true faith. No matter what comes to you, you can overcome it because you have faith. Because you're not looking to images. You're not looking to men. And then you're not afraid of the face of men. That's true faith. Their downfall, it begins to unravel because they were looking to Moshe instead of Yahuwah. And they say it. You see it right here. As for this man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Wrong. As for Yahuwah who brought us out of the land of Egypt, his presence, his kavod should be within you. But if it's not within you, then you can fall for idolatry and men's propaganda. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and the sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made it into a molded calf. Now, why would he make it into a molded calf? Some commentators say, well, they were so familiar with Apis, the fertility bull of the Egyptians. But another, another interpretation would be going back to the familiarity of the language of what they would visually see. And those of you may have seen the video with um, the Cad Cadwells where they went into Saudi Arabia and actually saw the, the area of the golden calf. We saw that, didn't we, Moshe? And... Um, they would have, there was, a, there was the, um, the stone altar where they had put the golden calf upon, and it had um, carvings of ox all over it. But think about Yahuwah's attribute, him being Yahuwah Elohim. Elohim would, of course, be spelt with El would be an olive and a Lamed. And the olive in the, in the Paleo-Hebrew is an ox, right? The ox... And then the Lamed is the shepherd's staff. Okay, but hang on a minute. The one who had the staff, Moshe, the Lamed, he'd gone up to the, up to the mountain. We don't know what's happened to him. The image, the man that we've been following, they just told you they were following the man. He's not here. Well, hang on, we need an image. Well, hang on, we've got the ox, the El, the Aleph. Oh, well, let's just make an image. Let's make an image of the ox head. Because the shepherd's staff is no longer with us. We don't know what happened to him. And we, we have to have an image because really we don't have faith. Because really our faith was always in men. This is what's happened today. I'm afraid, my brethren, with the Christian church, I am so disgusted that pastors allowed their congregations to be shut down. Disgusted. Well, because they took a benefit. Because they decided they wanted to become a 501c3. So they took benefits and privileges instead of standing on what we truly are. 
a religious, religious people that are free from Egypt and their interference. But they took a benefit, so therefore they, took, they get the penalty that comes with it, right? And therefore they had to follow the dictates of men. Well, how about if we just live free? Then we don't have to. You, as long as you don't go damaging people, property, and be careful of what you sign. Don't make those invisible contracts. We've touched on that so many times. But really what happened is these people, because the, the shepherd's staff disappeared up the mountain, they turned to an ox. But it wasn't Elohim. It was an image of what? The ox. So in all of this, whether it's the ransom money or the golden calf, people today, as back then, you can either choose faith or your senses. You can choose faith or a census. You can choose supernatural man that's invisible, faith, or you turn to natural man, faithlessness. And that, the world we are currently in, has made their choice. But you can see here, with the golden calf worship, it truly is syncretism. Syncretism defined is basically there is faith, but the faith dwindles so quickly because they're looking for form and substance. And let us make a feast unto Yahweh of our own liking. And that's what happened at the Council of Nicaea in 325 of the Common Era, was really all the ingredients that you see in Exodus chapter 32, that syncretism epitomized, has been taken down into all religion. Well, hang on a minute. Yeah, we want to we worship you know, God, but we want to do it the way the nations do it. So instead of the Passover, well, you know, we're going to do Easter. Well, instead of the Feast of Tabernacles, you know, let's, let's do um, Sol Invictus Mithras. Let's do Christmas. Um, well, instead of um, the Feast of Tabernacles, why don't we do like a Harvest Festival and maybe bring in like All, All Saints Day and, and let's, just, let's just do Halloween. I mean, why not cut to the chase, right? This is called syncretism. Well, you know, I see the Sabbath, but you know, that's only one of the Ten Commandments. Why don't we do this Sunday gig? You know, we've been doing it for 2,000 years. Seems like a pretty good idea. I think we could go to Revelation, and I think we could call it even the Lord's Day. And, you know, they did do a collection on the first day of the week, which was a Sunday. So we could maybe even say that that's kind of like the Sabbath now. Because we do see in the New Testament that they did take collections on the first day of the week. So... You know, it doesn't matter that Sabbath appears 55 times or more in the New Testament. I think we can gloss over that with some primer. You know, we can whitewash this away because the people, they need imagery. They don't have the faith to actually keep the commandments of Yahuwah. They don't have that kind of faith. They're looking for form and substance. And they need to hear a man up front and they will follow that propaganda, especially if we do it enough times and we can put some church doctrine behind it. And that's what's happened. But it all comes from this Torah portion. It's syncretism. Syncretism 101. Anyway, as let's continue on, I hope that you can see that this is truly, truly a portion that is packed, packed with substance. 
Now, if you go to Exodus chapter 32 and you go to um, the 33rd verse, I find something that is so, so powerful. And you might want to put a finger in Luke chapter 19, verse 44. Because right here in Exodus chapter 32, verse 34, Yahweh said to Moshe, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book, and therefore go lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my Malak, my angel, shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So Yahuwah plagued the people for what they did with the calf which Aaron made. This is huge. We've spent much time talking about the narrative of Torah is chronological. Abraham, then there came Isaac, then there came Jacob. But the giving of the mitzvot, the commandments, is not chronological always. It is achronological and oftentimes thematic in its elements. The tabernacle and its construction was a response to the sin of the golden calf. Even though it appears in chapter 25, we know it's not chronological because after the manna week in Exodus chapter 16, Moshe was told to lay up the manna in the Ark of the Testimony that hadn't even been created until Exodus chapter 25. Case in point, it was thematic at that time. It's not chronological. The construction of the tabernacle is a response to the golden calf. And because of the golden calf, the book of the covenant and the covenant that was sprinkled with blood, Exodus 19 to 24, 11, was broken. And because of that, Yahweh said, I'm going to commit genocide on all Israel. But Moshe, a mediator now, intercedes for Israel, a response from the golden calf. And at that point, Israel was going to be totally wiped out, mass genocide, and will make a new nation with you, Moshe. But he intercedes as a mediator. Hebrews 9 and 10 speaks about this in much detail. And Yahuwah relents from destroying the nation of Israel. And that Israel would still be his special treasure because of the mediation and intercession. And this section right here now, bear with me, I will bring it to a close. Because of this section right here, because of the promise of a atonement, a atonement, a keporim, there has to be a promise of atonement, there has to be a true covering for this golden calf breach to be wiped out as if it never happened again, as if it never happened. Now, the book of the law, the schoolmaster, the teacher, 
And all of the Levitical ordinances were a response to the golden calf sin. And they never ever made an at-one-ment. That's why every single year, year in and year out, there had to be Yom Kippur, which basically was a petition that the previous year's sins would be covered. Not paid off, but covered. Because ultimately, everything after Exodus chapter 32 is a response to the sin of the golden calf. And for all of that to be wiped out of the memory of Yahuwah and to you to be restored as Israel, as the priesthood and the nation with all the promises of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob bestowed upon you, one thing had to happen. And it's right here. My Malak, my messenger, shall go before you. Nevertheless, to really deal with this, not just to cover it temporarily, but to deal with this so that it is not in my memory ever, ever again, and to restore you back to who you really are supposed to be as my people, you need to realize that I will visit for punishment for this sin. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 19, verse 44, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Luke 19, Yahushua, of course, is speaking to Jerusalem and the inhabitants thereof. Nineteen let's go to 1941. Now, as he drew near... He saw the city and he wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, Israel, the things that make you for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you. They shall surround you and close you in on every side, just like today. And they shall level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Why? Why? Because, Exodus chapter 32, verse 30. The plan of a future visitation of atonement for the nation. Remember, my servant Moshe, he made a righteous offer of atonement, but you have rejected that righteous offer of atonement that was made for you. And here it is, the visitation, the remedy for the golden calf breach is before you. And you are rejecting Moshe's offer. Now, mass genocide. You are cut off Romans 11. And you are a broken branch cast into the fires of Gehenna. And I will make myself a new people. A new nation. 
all 12 tribes scattered abroad. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what creed you are. You could even be a crazy mad as an English dog, and I will graft you in if you come to know my son and you repent. It doesn't matter if you're a Viking. It doesn't matter if you're an African. It doesn't matter if you're a Palestinian. It doesn't matter if you're an Indian. It makes no difference because you are going to graft into Israel and I'll make you my people. Now that is dangerous stuff. That is some dangerous stuff for people that follow men. Because no man can do that. Not even Gandhi could even do that. And he was pretty close. But you know what? He didn't end up too well either at the hands of the British. Nobody ends up well in the hands of the British. I should know. Right, Ryan? I mean, Brian? You thought you were going to get away with it front and center without being picked on. Never. All right, back to... Where was I? I was... Donnie, are you following me? All right, I was tying in the connection between Exodus chapter 32, verse 34, and Luke chapter 19, verse 41, is they rejected the remedy that Moshe mediated with the greater mediator, which, of course, is Hebrews chapter 8 and chapter 9. That's powerful. All that to say this. The golden calf breach is the reason that we have to have the remedy of the sun. But even before the golden calf breach, there was the death penalty position because Yahweh is all-knowing, is he not? Because really there was a breach in the garden, wasn't there? There is only one remedy. And the remedy is what he said. Now is the time of your visitation. I believe that each and every one of us had a time of visitation if you're here right today. I had a time of visitation and I've shared it with you so many times. It is a private, personal time of visitation. And if you accept his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and you truly acknowledge the filthy wretch that you are, and that there is no one righteous, no, not one, and that whatever righteousness you think you can partake and partail in, it's but filthy rags. That's your time of visitation. Then you repent. You confess and repent and embrace the remedy and then you are restored. No man can make this up. Because this takes faith. And faith is the vehicle that moves you from death to life. And it takes away all of this fear. You'll never be wondering about the numbers. You'll never be wondering about their crazy science. Because you have faith. You'll be able to walk through the plague. You'll be able to walk through the fire. And when they send men, 
you will stand and be bold as a lion because you're not going to be worrying about some invisible thing that you can't see that you think is chasing you down. But in the meantime, all these noodles out there, well, they're getting ready for seven years of this supply chain nonsense. You know what? And they'll be crying to mummy because they took all the benefits from mummy and daddy. And therefore, they are beholden. I don't want any of the benefits. The only benefit I need is the atonement. And that benefit I took a long time ago, and it's given me life, life eternal. Sobering, isn't it? You get what I'm laying down here, young man? All right, we're going to work on you. Uh, just keep on working the truth because the, yeah, see the, the one behind you, he, he gets it. That's all right. The truth will set you free. And Yahweh's word shall not return void. I love having young, young children in front of me because I know that Yahweh is working on you. I have a heart for you. I really do. Yahweh has put you in my heart. He really has. I think you're an amazing young boy. I see it in you. I truly do. You're making me emotional now. <sighs> Goodness gracious me. <sighs> oh, it's tough. It's tough. Where are we? <laughs> All right, shifting gears. Oh, the presence and the promise of Yahweh. The presence and the promise of Yahweh. Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. Ah, his presence is Yahusha. Then Moshe said to Yahweh, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor, grace. These are interchangeable in the Hebrew. It's chen and ratzon, ratzon. This is favor and grace. You have also found grace in my sight. Isn't Yahusha the full package? Isn't he the full manifestation of Yahuwah's grace and favor, his chen and ratzon? It's full encompassing. You have to realize that. And when you realize that, then, now therefore I pray, if I have found the full package, the full embodiment, as, as Paul wrote to the Colossians, the full manifest embodiment of his chen and ratzon, his favor and his grace, then what? Then show me your way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I want that way. I do not want the way of Dr. Fauci. I do not want the other way. I want the narrow way. But everybody on it, oh, we go this way, it's really broad. <laughs> Everybody's doing it. Let's go into the sheep dip. Come on. Everybody for the slaughter. Come on, sheeple. This way. Right? And I'm like, you people are insane. You got coerced. You got bamboozled. You're three deep and you're telling everybody a joke and then boom, you're over on the floor. There you are, you're doing your football and you think you're a superstar and you're three deep and then you're down, right? And nobody knows. Nobody knows, right? You were coerced. 
because you didn't stand, because you weren't bold as a lion. You were coerced. You were Joseph Goebbels, weren't you? And you think he was the minister of propaganda? Oh, we've got one up on him, and I just mentioned his name, but I won't say it again because we'd like to keep the ministry channel going. Goodness gracious me. Somebody said last week, who's Josephine, right? I keep saying good night, Josephine. I'm going to not say it this week. I just said it. Oh, last. Verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people of I and I have found ratson, chen, grace, favor in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall separate your people and I from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. I mean, I was so deep into the world. I was so walking hand in hand with S.A. Tan for all those years. But once I encountered his chen, his rats on, his favor, the full package of Yahusha, I was instantaneously separated from the world, drawn out of the world, and made a new creation. That's what this is talking about. Because how did I, I don't want, I don't want to follow God. I want to know that I'm on the narrow road that leads to life. And the only way that I will know if I am truly, truly following Elohim is if I have the presence with me. I'll only know if I have your... Meaning I need to know that Yahushua is in me and the Ruach HaKodesh dwells in me and that is a testimony to me that I am His and that I was purchased by a price. And now, because I know that, you can never take, I don't care what, I don't care what you say. Oh, well, I know, but I think we came from monkeys. I heard somebody this week, well, you know, I think what it was is we were, um, we were apes. But then, I heard this, I heard this at my school this week. We were apes. But then, we got into some magic mushrooms. And that, that awakened our, 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 our intellect and we evolved. <laughs> I'm like, you've been in the metaverse, haven't you? Right? This is, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, the Scientologists, I mean, you're, you know, there's going to be these intergalactic beings that are going to come down. There's some crazy stuff out there. But if you have his presence in you, then you know the way, the truth, and the life is a narrow road that leads to life, and only a few are on it. And it's a powerful, powerful journey because we will find ourselves separated, verse 16. So Moshe said to Moshe, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please, show me, show me everything of you. Well, that is Yahushua, the full expression of Yahuwah's ratzon and his chen, his mercy, his grace, and his favor. Then he said, I will make all of my goodness, that's Mashiach, 
pass before you. And I will proclaim the name. So within all of his goodness, within Mashiach, you need to have the name. It's got to have Yar in it, okay? All of his name will come before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I mean, you can turn to like John chapter 1 verse 17 and you read that and you're like, oh, this is exactly what he's talking about in John chapter 1 verse 17. And I will be compassionate on whom I will have compassion. Yahweh will take the meek and the lowly from the world, the lost, the stranger, and he will, he will go and they will accuse of being a wine-bibber sitting with harlots and prostitutes. But you know what? Some of those people will get converted and they'll be true disciples. He will, go to the, he will go to the hedgerows. And those with no name, he will give a name. That's true faith. It was always this way. It was always this way. And then he says this amazing stuff in verse 20. You cannot see my face, for no one shall see me and live. Meaning, his kavod, his glory, you need a mediator. Because if you were to just see all of his kavod, all of his glory in your flesh suit, you would be evaporated because you are supposed to be in garments of light anyway. But now that you're in this mortal flesh suit, you need a mediator. And that mediator, Hebrews 8 and 9, is going to have to be a lot better than Moshe. Because still with Moshe, 3,000 died. But hang on, when the better mediator comes, the perfect mediator, which is the promise of his presence, then 3,000 shall come to faith on the very same day. Shavuot. Powerful stuff, isn't it? I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of Yahuwah before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have rats on and compassion upon whom I shall have compassion. He said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And Yahuwah said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand. Revelation 7, 9, you shall stand. And if you can still stand, you shall stand. It's all about standing. And being as bold as a lion, you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. There is anthropomorphic Yahweh. He's saying, look, the only way you're really going to experience me is that I will put you in the rock. But it will be the broken part. And then when you're in the broken part, my hand shall pass by, which is a metaphor for Yahusha. Yahusha is the broken part. He was the rock that was smitten. And in him, the broken part, you experience all of Yahuwah's ratzon and his hen. That's the only way. It was always that way because this is a response to the golden calf sin. This is the time of your visitation. You cannot manufacture faith. You cannot manufacture belief. You have to have a time of visitation in the broken part of the rock and you have to experience the hand that was outstretched and nailed. That's the only way, the truth and the life. And that's our people. 
that come into the cleft of the rock. And then I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. And then I will take away my hand. And you shall see my back. That's where the punishment was laid. The punishment was meted out between the shoulders on the back. And then when you see that, when you see that he was bruised for our transgressions, and you see that, then that's when you know you've come into his presence. That's some powerful stuff. Chapter 34, Moshe makes new tablets. And it's not a New Testament versus the Old Testament. Those aren't two tablets. Oh, we've done away with the first set of tablets. Now we're in the new set of tablets and they've got nothing to do with the old set. No, this is nonsense. You're believing men again. You've gone into the sin of the golden calf of syncretism. We're talking covenant here. Covenant, covenant, covenant. And the covenant is renewed in Exodus chapter 34, verse 10. But this is not a Malkizedic covenant. There is no proposal, there's no acceptance, there's no blood ratification, and there is no covenant confirming meal. But this is a warning to us today in our present world to be very careful of who you make contracts with. You make contracts with governments and you end up with the penalties that are attached to those contracts. Usually they call it privileges. You have these kind of privileges. Well, a privilege isn't a natural right, is it? I have the right to breathe, okay? That's my right. I mean, that's just, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a living human being. Now, I can contract to get rid of that right, and then I can take a privilege or a benefit, but there will come with it penalties, because now I'm, I'm a getting a privilege. I don't want privileges. I don't need privileges. I don't want the accompanying benefits with it. You can keep them. I want nothing to... That's why the Amish, they get to do what the heck they want to do. Because they don't accept any of the privileges and the benefits from the federal government. But we've been reared in Mystery Babylon, and then people are like, well, I was forced to take the... No, no, you were coerced. But you had a choice. But you wanted to partake and you wanted to accept some privileges and you wanted to accept the benefit of those privileges and you were coerced and you weren't willing to do without. Well, I have the right to fly on United Airlines. Um, it's called a commercial airline. It's commerce. That's trafficking, Ezekiel 28. You don't have the right to do that. That's a commercial agreement. And if they want to make you do something to yourself, then you have to acquiesce to their stupid to partake in their privileges and benefits program. As for me, I'm not going to partake of that. Now, is that an inconvenience? Well, yes. But there are other options to me, available to me, right? Many other options. Now, let's look at Exodus chapter 34, verse 10. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all your people, and I will do marvels such as have not been done in the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among you who shall see the work of Yahuwah. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, 
I am driving out from before you the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going. The problems over the next seven years, because they've gone with the census, they've taken partaked of all of the stupid is what if you make a contract with the government it will be a snare to you verse 12 and that's what's happened over the past two years people have been coerced into doing a certain thing and certain things and now, because they are three, four, five deep into the program, which was a program of intimidation, threats, duress, force, and fear, and coercion for privileges and benefits, which will come with severe penalties, they have snared themselves. They have trapped themselves. The majority of people on this world are in this snare because they made a contract. And that contract is now actually flowing through their bodies. And if you don't think it's a contract, it has programmable, it has written code. It's like GMOs, right? And if some of those GMO seeds blow into another farmer's pasture and he's got non-GMO seeds in there, he can get fined and imprisoned for taking copyrighted material that's not here. But but it just blew in Ah This is this is all part of the snare. And then what happens? Well look, look at verse fifteen. I'll read verse twelve and then we'll go down to verse fifteen. Take heed to yourself lest you make a contract with the government, lest it be a snare to you in your midst. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to destroy their altars and break their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other God for Yahweh, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous Elohim. You see, you're supposed to only fear Yahweh, but you fear man, therefore you're worshiping other men and their salvation for gods. And Yahweh is a jealous. He's jealous of the body that he created for you to dwell in. He's jealous of how you take care of your body. He's jealous of how you take care of your mind. He's jealous of how you direct yourself to worship. And he's jealous of what you're afraid of. And because of that, you've set yourself up for a snare. And then it goes on to say in verse 15, lest you make a contract with the government and play the harlot. 
you start compromising with their nonsense, their science, their gods, and you make sacrifice. You start to make sacrifices. Oh, well, you know, man, I really want to be able to travel. I really do. You know, I really would like to go to Hawaii. In fact, I'd really like to go to Europe. I'd like to go and see my mum. Okay? But, for me to do that, I'm going to have to make some sacrifices to their gods. I am going to have to make some sacrifices to their gods to do that. I am going to have to pay to play. Are you going to pay to play? Because it is a privilege. And it is a benefit for me to go do that. It is not a right. I do not have the right to get on an aeroplane, a commercial aeroplane and go and see my mother. That is not a right. Now, I can, I can pay to play, and I can make some sacrifices in my body, and my integrity, and my belief system, and I can start to buy into their fear, which is a man-made idolatry system of sacrifice. Don't believe that it's not sacrifice. It's all about, it's a bloodletting, brethren. It's all about the blood. It's always about the blood. You sacrifice your blood. You pay to play. You do that. And three things are going to happen to you. We started the teaching off with that. And David made that mistake. You know what? You can scrap all of that. I already made my choice. And I already chose the blood. And the blood I chose is the blood of sprinkling. And it sprinkled me. I'm not making some other choices with my blood. Because my blood is his. He owns my blood. And I'm covered by his blood. It's a simple thing. It's always about the blood. Because within the blood is the contract. I took my time of visitation. And now I have to stand and be bold as a lion, no matter what they do, no matter what comes at me, no matter what comes at you, you better stand and be bold as a lion and make your choice. Because otherwise, you're going to be doing the census. You're going to be going with the numbers. You're going to be going with their numbering system, and it will end up with a mark of the... That's a numbering system, isn't it? And it's always connected to the blood, because it's about sacrificing to their gods. You make sacrifices in freedoms to their gods, verse 15. And what? Look what it says. This is just so amazing. Lest you make a contract with the government and they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifices to their gods and one of them invites you to eat of his sacrifice. an invitation well they forced me I had to take it they invited you to ingest put it in your body they invited you 
It was an invitation. It was an offer. You didn't have to accept the. Well, I had to. There's other jobs. Well, I had to because I wanted to, you know, I needed to get on the aeroplane and I needed to go to Greece because, man, I already bought the tickets for the cruise before the Rona came along and I could have. It was an offer. But now you've ingested, haven't you? You've, inge- you've taken it into your body. You've ingested of their sacrifices. And it is a blood sacrifice. Verse 15. It was a commercial offer. No one made you. I am sick and tired of people emailing me and saying, well, my employer made me. Well, don't work for the federal government then. But now they've changed that, right? Because it was just coercion. Well, I had to. Well, don't, don't be in commerce then. Well, my business. Implode it. Walk away. What are you willing to stand for? I'm priming you because it's going to get Worse, and then it's going to get amazing after the culling because ultimately Israel gets to go into the promised land and we get to say, you know what? Because you partook of the sacrifices of those gods and because you ingested and because you've been worshipping that commercial system, and you're partaking of that commercial system, because your commercial system failed, and in one day it failed, and you're still stiff-necked, you are not getting any water unless you repent and come up to the Feast of Sukkot. We're switching off your reign, because we'll have all the technology. Israel will have all the technology. They're trying to push this through before the primaries. Because they have to expedite this whole thing because it's all going sideways on them. It's all, so they've got to rush this through. The Federal Reserve doesn't know what the Henry's going on. I mean, how? How can you keep this house of cards going? They're going, it's, going it's, it, it's, it's being pushed through rapidly. Rapidly. Because the writing is on the wall. We're in one of those cycles. This, we're coming into a new cycle because we're coming into the millennium. But it's going to get rough before it gets better. Let's finish up here. Verse 19 I find fascinating, of course. I never thought I would actually be able to read the covenant renewed Exodus chapter 34. If I had read this, if, if I could see how I'm interpreting this today when I read this 15 years ago and I was like super hyper literal messianic Torah, but now I'm, I kind of, I'm seeing it and able to apply it to our world. And that's the scriptures alive in me and you. I hope that you can appreciate and what I'm trying to lay down for you today. I know I'm kind of taking a different angle. It's not very orthodox, but I hope that it's enlightening. It is to me. So maybe I'm just here to enlighten myself today. Verse 19. All that open the matrix are mine, the womb, the matrix. All that come out of the matrix. You were asleep. You were slumbering. 
Can you believe it? All those years, you were part of the world. You were part of religion. And then what? You got red-pilled with the true faith that was once delivered to the saints. You became like a Berean. And you studied the scriptures daily to see if the... And you're like, no, this is not so. No, this Easter business is not so. No, this Christmas nonsense is simply not so. And no, more bacon for me. You studied daily to see if these things were so. And you found that most of it wasn't so. And you came out of the matrix, and that makes you his. And I suggest that most probably most of you, the first thing that you started to do when you realized that you were his and you came out of the matrix was what? Started keeping the Sabbath, didn't you? Because that is true liberty. That is true freedom. And the more you kept the Sabbath, the more you were not interested in, oh, come on, let's make a feast unto Yahuwah on our own day. Let's rise up and play according to the wicked imaginations of our church doctrine. And you wouldn't have that anymore, would you? And then there was a division, wasn't there? And then you found out who your friends were and who your enemies were real fast, didn't you? This is how you know that you're Israel. Verse 19, you open the matrix and you come out of her, my people. You come out of the commercial system. You start to wake up to realizing this is mystery Babylon. This is a pay-to-play system. This is a benefits and privileges system. This is commercial in nature. If you partake of her commerce, her trade, her trafficking, you will be ensnared. But if you start to realize that and you start to examine all of your adhesion contracts, stop rising up to play with their benefits and privileges golden calf system. Because if you do, you will receive a just penalty for breaking their contracts. Right? You break a covenant, you get a penalty. Well, hang on a minute. How come you don't have any rights? Because you contracted them all away, which is totally legal, and therefore you're having to pay the penalty. How about we don't do that? Let's live like the Amish, right? Or even better, let's live like Israel and don't make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land because they're all a bunch of blooming Hivites. Jebusites and Jippos. Right? Baruch Hashem Yahweh. There's a lot right there, and I could jump into more, and we end up with the shining face of Moshe, and Moshe's skin on his face shone, or in the Latin Vulgate, he had devil horns. He was horned. But it wasn't devil horns. It was, of course, that his face shone, because I believe that when he was in the presence of Yahuwah, he didn't eat or drink for 40 days. Is it possible that he was transfigured so that he could be in Yahuwah's kavod? He was in Yahuwah's glory. He was transfigured into his garment of light. 
so that he could truly be in the presence of Yahuwah. And as he descended from the ascent, he descended back into his natural man and he came back into his garments of skin, but he had the residual glow of his garment of light. That's what I believe, and that's why I believe Moshe, of course, appeared in Luke chapter 9, along with Elijah, Elijah, who also was able to be transported from place to place to place, because I believe, likewise, Eliyahu, Elijah, was one that was able to transform his garments of skin into garments of light, and that's why he would be teleported everywhere. And then in Luke chapter 9, because they had experienced Yahweh's kavod and glory and garments of light, they appeared on the mountain, Moshe and Elijah with Yahusha, all in their garments of light. That's the future that we have for us. Garments of light and this old skin. But I tell you what, if you make a covenant with the government and you start to make a blood sacrifice and they do want your blood, and it is a sacrifice then guess what? I don't think you're going to be able to be transfigured because you've actually corrupted yourself and you'll never get back the way that you were supposed to be. Is Yahuwah is bigger than that? Is Yahusha's blood bigger than any invention of Dr. Fauci? Yes, for certain and for sure. That I do know. There's always hope. And there was always hope of a new day because his blood is bigger than anything. But I would be very, very wary of the intimidation tactics that these Hivites, Jebusites, and blooming heathens are putting on people today. Bless you, and let's see if there's anyone who's still here. And if you are, now is an appropriate time to give us some thumbs up and subscribe to the ministry channel. And please register for the Passover. You can go into the description below, and you can see that the Passover is available for you to link to and you can also see that in the comments section as well and remember you can go to torahtothetribes.com forward slash connect and you can connect with one another we have got brethren from all over the world and the ministry is growing exponentially it's so exciting i have been getting so many grand reports from poland from um, the Netherlands, from South Africa, and I am so, so, so blessed. Thank you. All right, now let's see here. I need to correct the chat. All right, smash that like button, William Engel. Thank you, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. All right, give me a couple of seconds here and let's see if I can... Uh... pick out some... Uh... Emissary of Elohim, Shabbat Shalom, Emissary of Elohim. It is indeed, is a blood sacrifice and passing children through the fires of Molech. Exactly, exactly. There is nothing new under the sun, is there? Nothing new under the sun. Diesel Grandma, at Yosef, doing something to get something in return is a sacrifice. Yes, a driver's license is a good example. Yeah, it's called driving privileges, right? <laughs> right?
I mean, so you partake of that and you get the penalties that are associated with it. Is there other options? Of course there is. And then it, 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 uh, it's, yeah, it's just a world. What is the commercial system USA right now? Yosef, it's Mystery Babylon. It's Babylon. It is Mystery Babylon, Revelation. I mean, it's worldwide. It's, it's called the UCC. It's the Universal Commercial Code. I mean, that, everything is commercial. Uh, is Mystery Babylon. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Crystal Rose has got some good stuff up there in the chat. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. What is he talking about? What are they trying to push? Yes. Si bono. I know how Matthew is verbally not mentioning it and is communicating his points clearly. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, emissary of Elohim. Yes. The snake bite definitely contains abominations and definitely causes desolation. Thank you so much. We know that. Oh, I love it, brethren, that we are awake out of the womb, the matrix. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Ah, ha, ha. Yes, thank you, Kevin Niebling. Shabbat Shalom up there, Niebling Mishpocha. The time approaches, Babylon. You will fall. Your days are numbered. That is, that is, isn't it? And it hinges on the Sabbath. It is an oat. It is a sign. Mystery Babylon has fallen. Colin speaks. She hasn't fallen, but she's on the precipice. She is on the precipice. Chris De La Rosa, that 14th Amendment, you got it. You got it. That 14th Amendment puts you in a 10-square-mile jurisdiction. Johanna has got the emojis, the emoji queen today, Baruch Hashem Yahweh. You've got to be on fire, that's for sure. That is for sure. Now, uh, let's see. Oh, there's a good one. Psalm 103, verse 2, giant killer up there in Snohomish County. Yahweh is our healer and provider. Let my whole being bless Yahweh and never forget all his good deeds. How Yah forgives all your sins and he heals all your sicknesses. Thank you, Baruch Hashem, Yahweh. And James P., Sabbath was my beginning and I continue to honor the present calendar. But can you say something about quickly regarding the disagreement on the day calendar? You know, I can quickly. I won't, I won't get into that. You know, let me, let me address that. Um, there has been so many different opinions over the years that I've been uh, observing Sabbath on the calendar. And I will tell you from experience, and you can take this as you, as, uh, you know, with a pinch of salt. I mean, I've done so many different calendars. You know, I, was, I even used to keep Lunar Shabbat, okay? And what I came to find is that I started when I started to keep the Sabbath from Friday night to Saturday night and I ceased working and it was a joy and it is a joy and over the years I've tried you know 
lunar Sabbath, this kind of Sabbath, this kind of calendar, this kind of this, this kind. And I tell you what I have found. I've even, you know, tore to the tribes. I've said, well, you know, oh, we should be doing dawn to dawn. Okay? But last night, I did Erev Shabbat. I like to do Erev Shabbat with my children, and we like to have a family meal, and we like to do the menorah. I don't work on the Sabbath. But what I have found, brethren, is more people have been ripped off from the joy of the Feast of Yahuwah and the joy of Sabbath and the sanctified set-apartness of it over all of this sunset to sunset, dawn to dawn, calendar to calendar, lunar to lunar. And all I have seen is arguments, controversy. Cont I haven't seen any blessed good fruit in 15 years. All I see is self-righteousness and people trying to prove that they've got the secret knowledge. You know what? Just keep the Sabbath. Just don't work on Saturday. Oh my goodness, it's not Saturday. It's, it's a, okay, and, and now are you going to do that? Or is that just in your mind? Because a lot of the times I don't, I don't see anything but controversy. So I'm, for me... I'm just going back to the former things. And it's not Sunday church. But I'm not going to be all bent out on all of this, this dogma and trying to do calculations. Because at the end of the day, it's all men. And men will always disappoint you. So if you want to keep Shabbat from Friday night to Friday night... Uh, from Friday night to, to Saturday night, then Yahweh bless you. Enjoy it with your family. And if you want to do it from Shabbat morning, Saturday morning at dawn or pre-dawn till Sunday, then, you know, knock yourself out and Yahweh bless you. You know, do I see that in Scripture? Yes, I do. And if you're going to, you know, just, just, just walk your walk. But please, let's come together, Israel. Because we would have a lot more Israelite brethren coming together if we weren't all dividing over calendars. Do you want to keep Passover? Keep Passover. Well, it's not at the, you know. Do you want to keep the Feast of Tabernacles? Well, just keep the feast. Well, it's not on the right day and your calendar's wrong. You know, our calendar is most probably wrong. Oh, I can't believe Matthew said that. I mean, Torah to the tribe's calendar has got to be right. Does it? Why? I don't know, brethren. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and see. Because I think we could all be wrong. But I know who's right. And it's none of us. It's Yahuwah and his word. And does it say to keep the Sabbath? So just start there. And does it say to keep the Feast of Tabernacles? Well, just start there. And does it say to keep the Passover? Yes, well, just start there. And does it say not to mess around with some bare-breasted fertility goddess called Easter and pretend that she's Passover? Yes, well, just stop doing that and start there. And you know you won't be able to have any of those chocolate eggs. And I know that you thought that was really good. Okay, just start there. So there you go. There's my take on it. And now you haters will 
um, have got a reason to hate me even more. <sighs> I want, I'm into gathering. I'm not into dividing. Too much division. And too much, and most of the division is over the calendar and the timing of Sabbaths and feasts. And I think you're, you're cutting your nose off despite your faith in the believing community. Because I tell you what, instead of having 200 people at um, Sukkot, we could have 2,000 if we weren't all doing different times. And it's about the people. It's not about being right. I choose relationship over being right. Because Yahoo is right and you're wrong and so am I. It's that simple. Truth hurts. Torah to the tribes. Bree, brother, Matthew, us having rights, do we? They even violate our first, second, and fourth. The minute you walk in a government building or airport, imagine where this is going. No, we have rights from the Creator. Our rights are from the Creator. They're not from government. Okay? I don't care about buildings. Okay? It's most probably a commercial building. Therefore, I don't have any rights in that building. But I do have the right to walk from point A to point B and to drink some water and um, to have blood pumping through my veins until the Creator decides that I don't have that, 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 that my time has come. But they are from the Creator. But the problem is we want to engage in all these commercial venues. And, you know, okay, here's another thing. Well, I have the right to bear arms. Okay, go into your gun safe. Open it up. Look on your rifle. Look on your pistol. Does it have a government number on it? You want the right to bear arms? Go and get yourself a flintlock gun. But you, you got something that was registered, right? It has a number on it. That's not your number, is it? See? So they, they can take that back any time. You want to fight over that? I certainly don't. They have numbers on them. That means they're government. What are those things called, those numbers? Huh? Serial number. Is that what it is? Yeah, they all do. They're in a system. Once you register something, it's, it's, you're, you're partaking in a benefit and privileges program. So a lot of these wars that people are creating, you know, or, oh, we have the right. No, you don't. And once you realize that, you're truly free. But you're going to have to give up a lot of your commercial activities. But then you will tr truly be free because you won't be engaging in riotous mob behavior. If you want a gun that is not confiscatable, go make your own. Okay, go make your own. But if you buy one that has a registration number, then you're partaking of the privileges program. It's that simple. There you go. There's a bit of truth for you, and it smacks, doesn't it? Cheeky Matthew. All right. I've, up, I've, I've upset enough people now. JB, praise Yahuwah and blessings be upon us all. Stand strong and know we are all in this together. Reach out to those who are struggling and share the love and word of our Elohim. What a blessed, blessed close. Edifying. Thank you, JB. We'll end with that. That is truly, truly a wonderful, wonderful way to end.
Praise Yahuwah and blessings be upon all of us. Stand strong and know that we are all in this together. Reach out to those who are struggling and share the love and the word of Elohim. It's you've got to love. Because without love, we're just a sanging, a sanging wang a wang wing what? What did I say? A clanging symbol. That's what happens when you talk for an hour and a half. You just start to get tongue-tied. Yahweh bless you and Shabbat Shalom. Whatever time it is today, I'm saying Shabbat Shalom to you. And thank you for watching and being with us. Remember, come to the Passover in the comments and in the description below and bless one another in the chat and we shall connect with you, Yahweh willing, next Sabbath.